Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. So we came as Dayman and Nightman. (laughs) (laughs) And so, of course, he was he was Nightman. He was all he was all dark with like all black, like black leggings, black bandana, black shirt that says Nightman on it. Right. And then white socks and and white tidy whiteies. And then I I went as as Dayman. So I wore the all white same thing, white leggings. Then I wore black tidy whiteies. And it was, I have a picture I should send it out to you guys. Freaking hilarious. So we just run around singing, Day Man, oh, protector of the night, man. Oh. The whole time while we're playing dodgeball. And we ended up winning the whole thing. And I'm pretty sure we were just hated so much. Here comes the rocket from center. Crosses the blue line. Moves it on goal. Shoots, he scores. Henrik scores. Henrik Sedin on the power. Play and it's 3-0. Tries a wish and he scores! Quinn Hughes with his second of the afternoon. It was the power play which ended up costing the Vancouver Canucks. Elias Pettersson gives the Vancouver Canucks a power play goal and a 2-1 lead. It's an eight-game point streak for Brock Besser. And the Canucks have scored on their last three power plays. It's 4-0. Yeah, I got uh, I kicked everyone out onto my balcony, so hey, let's do this. You know let's what? Do this thing. Way to be uh We'd be the man in charge. It's actually more space out there than my living room, so. <laughs> you should have opted for the balcony. Yeah, I should have got the view. That's okay. Now there's too many, there's too many crackheads running around. I was going to say it's uh, probably be a bit more lively podcast. Like, um, could you not shoot up in front? Like, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to record podcast. a Canucks podcast right now. Like, there's no hockey. Fair point. Fair point. How would you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, those crackheads. Ryan, what happened to your mustache? What do you mean? What happened? It's still here. Um, it's oh, maybe it's just looking a little. Oh, there faint. it is. Oh yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, she's, she's yeah. still there. <laughs> Hashtag glorious. Yeah. Hashtag this thing's starting to get a little long here. Yeah, yours yeah. is just getting white. You got the grays in there, eh? Looks nice. Do you use beard I still get oil? way too patchy in the sides. I fucking hate it. It's going on a month now. It's it's pretty solid. It's like the second thickest beard I've ever had in my life, I think. The guy at Walmart's like, dude, nice mustache. I'm like, hey, thank you. Yours is good as well. <laughs> it's just like, nice. you I just walk I was my Hawaiian shirt the other day, and some guy's like, nice shirt. And I was like, thanks, asshole. <laughs> Did you punch him? <laughs> yeah, I think he was wearing a Brooks t shirt too, which I thought was pretty ridiculous. Like the brand? Yeah. Oh, gee. Yeah. Who, who does that even exist? How would you find that? I don't even know. Brooks. Hey, get out of here with your fucking lumby grad jacket. <laughs> lumby, get out of here. <coughs> yeah, this is a, a no lumbiers. This is a, a sans lumby podcast. Welcome everybody. Welcome back to the PP1 podcast. This is Ryan. He's your going to be your host for this week. It's not really a hosting job. I'm just talking first. Uh, joining me are only two people this week because we decided we just need to get back to basics. 
Ted, Brady. How are you guys doing? Brady, what's up? Hey, guys. Uh, not a whole lot. Just had one of the most delicious burgers I've had in a while. And uh, yeah, now I'm ready to podcast. How Excellent. are you, man? Great. Ted, what's shaking, bud? Nothing, man. Uh, there's, there's there's just not a whole lot going on right now. The the, the gyms are open. The work work is open. We're back in the office, that kind of stuff. But yeah, tell me about, tell me more about this burger here, though. I'm curious about this what burger. What kind of burger was it? Just a regular it was, burger? It was, a, it was one of those frozen store-bought burgers. Was there cheese? Um, <laughs> see, my girlfriend, she bought this like uh, little electric barbecue for us at our place. So we're pretty hey, excited you, to set it you up. Had me at, you had me at frozen store-bought burger, Brady. All right, I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a pretty damn good burger um but i don't know i'm pretty plain so i'm not really the guy to go to about uh you know tasty foods okay i was like i had some ketchup and cheese on that thing that's, that's it that's how i like it so ketchup and cheese lettuce yeah i'm like i'm a seven year old kid at heart so lettuce even? no pickles no just just cheese beef bun man yeah are you a, are you a cut the the crust off your peanut butter and jelly no kind of guy? no no but i'm the I keep the crust on my peanut butter, no jelly kind of sandwich. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like that kind of plate. A peanut guy, butter you know? sandwich. I, I'm that guy. I'm the guy that goes to the restaurant and orders chicken fingers and fries because you know it's a safe. <laughs> you know what? There's you nothing know, wrong there's with just that. Two things: there's chicken finger, chicken finger and fries. That's one, and then the other yeah. one is like, I'll have a quesadilla, please. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. And what? And what's in it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have the quesadilla with chicken and cheese, yeah. please. Oh, well, yeah. there's mushrooms in there. Please take the mushrooms out. Like I went down to uh, Earl's on top today, and I had the chili chicken, and like for for me, that's you know, that's a little. Uh, that's it's good. It's good. You know, you're putting yourself out there. A little I wasn't bit. testing my limits too much, but, uh, but a little. Definitely, I definitely got to expand the horizons. Maybe add a little mustard in there. Maybe some relish. But yeah, good burger overall. Ted can't go wrong. Ted, good what man. is your ideal burger? Oh, jeez. I think like the the classic stuffed cheeseburger, right? The one where you make your own patties. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah the the bunch of items to the the. The meat where you're squishing it up and beating it up and then you add you know like the crackers or the breadcrumbs to it and stuff but i can't tell you everything that's in it because then it wouldn't be a secret anymore um but the trick obviously is to take the aged cheddar or the aged marble mm -hmm. and then you make a small pocket inside the hamburger and then fold them over and then work them together before you throw them on the grill right uh, you know, toasted Kaiser buns, all that good stuff, mm -hmm. iceberg lettuce. And then if you're not doing that, I'm into like smash burgers lately where you just like take the the little piece of meat and you squish it down as thin as you can right onto like a, a frying pan or whatever. And then yeah. they cook real quick and then you do up these quick smash patties. Those are also really good. Huh. Interesting. Like, yeah. What do you do for like toppings? Like my personal burger topping? Yeah. Like what, when, if you, if you had it all in front of you, what would you be putting on? Oh, it's so you got to start with mayonnaise. I like to put just like possibly a little bit of Italian dressing from time to time on okay. it, but that's not a must. Okay. So mayonnaise, uh, you can do like a barbecue sauce or like some sort of Buffalo. Um, but I'll do like lettuce, tomato, pickles, onions. Uh, and then if they're lying around, I like to throw some chips on there too. Like nice. in a bag, you mean not literally lying around. Yeah, because we're having a barbecue. Obviously, there's like a bag of Lay's chips somewhere, right? And probably if, some Doritos if you had a dog, like... you know, like I'll go behind the couch and if I find chips, I'll throw them on the burger. Yeah, like maybe, maybe <laughs> they're um, what are those little uh, the fishies called? The oh, goldfish. Goldfish. Yeah, maybe they're goldfish. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're chips. 
No one's yeah. going to know. Little you and I have kids, so those are always in the backseat of the car. But, I mean, I know where to find those. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, are we missing a bag? I know where an open bag is, that's for sure. Yeah, what's your go-to burger, Ryan? So, as you... you... Oh, avocado. Forgot avocado. Sorry, that's, go that's ahead. Not a, I, I like that in my sushi, but not on my burger. So, if I had it all in front of me, I think if... I, I like to, as you know, I'm a little extra when it comes to, to food. Like, how much can I fit? basically on my plate or in my burrito or in my burger so you've got if i could two patties because i'm a little extra definitely have to have bacon i don't care where it's Mm -hmm. in there you gotta have your lettuce um recently i'm getting back into pickles but like fresh pickles not like the mcdonald's pickles like Mm -hmm. good like a good dill or a pickle like something you know that's got taste not some flimsy whatever Um, something real pickly Something pickly, yeah, but not a not a really <clears throat> sweet one either, because those are gross. Um, then on there, so like I, I'm a little plain too, so I don't like tomatoes and I don't like mushrooms, and so I know that goes against a, what a lot of people think. But you know what? Whatever, I don't care. Got to have my usually like three different hot sauces. Like I'll have my sriracha, and usually like two other kind of just like you know hammer on hot sauces that whatever I happen to have in the fridge. Um, what I wouldn't mind adding, because I've done this a few times, you check a fried egg on there with like the runny yolk. Yes. And then a little bit more. And we're going to go one step further and a little bit of peanut butter. I was going to say, have you tried the peanut butter oh peanut my. butter burger at Mission Tap House? Yes. So good. That thing, that thing is with good. With bacon jelly. I mean, you had to try it. With the bacon jelly. Exactly. Oh, For me, man. though, I didn't, I didn't get the jelly part. I just did the peanut butter, yeah. which was still good. But the egg, like I said, I'm I'm playing, so I need to put a peanut butter on my burger. Was so enough. like the bonus thing about the egg that you know some people are like, oh, it's gross. But when you think about it, it's got a built-in gravy, right? So yes. as you bite in, it just starts coating everything, and ah, I'll try maybe a little yeah. bit of chipotle mayo in there as well, and you just have adder, and it obviously is going to fall apart at some point because there's way too much stuff in there, and then you just like eat it off the plate. It's awesome. So I think what this really all comes down to is that. Uh, we probably have to have a barbecue. I think it's socially distancing barbecue. A cook-off. No, I'll lose that. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I will lose. <laughs> like fantasy hockey, I will lose that cook-off for sure. But I'll try. Okay, well, we'll make it happen. I love it. You know, we did lose Judd Brackett this week, officially. And that's uh, Whoa, that's segue. a bit of a bummer, eh, guys? That was a segue if ever there was one. We did. Um. Brady, what are your thoughts on that? Because I've got a few on myself. Um, well, I don't really know too much about what goes on in the inside of things. And I know there's a bunch of people on Twitter that like to think they know what's going on. And I know Judd Brackett was a big part of you know drafting a lot of the players that we have. And Sure. But when you're... I don't know. There's obviously some sort of friction there between Benning and uh, and Brackett, and it's been going on apparently for about a year. So, um, bad blood. I just mean, he 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 definitely did some great things for us, but um, kind of like when we talked to Brad May, I like you know as a fan, I'm not really too worried about stuff like that. I I try not to get into it too deeply, um, and I. I like the things Benning's done, and I, I can't say how much Brackett was a part of that, inside or out, because I just don't know. So I'm happy that we still got Benning, you know, running things, and 
I'm obviously sad to see Brackett go because he's got a really great reputation, but um, you know, I'm tracker. so confident in the Canucks and, you know, I'm just happy that it's, that it's done and over with and we can move on from it. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, he has a great track record of obviously the guys that were <laughs> taken under his, uh, his direction, but uh, I don't know, it, even though it's the head guy, I mean, he's not the, the GM, he's not the president, he's the director of scouting and yes, he's very important, but they have a team of guys like, He's not the only one, and I know that he's travel around as a lot of these head um, scouts essentially are going to do. But I mean, he is one guy, and if we are putting all of our eggs in the Judd Bracket basket, and it's it's all or nothing, then we have way bigger problems with this team than we thought. Um, will it be you know will it be smooth sailing going forward? Who knows? But if if there was a torn relationship there. You, you can't just say, oh, well, here's a bunch of money and all those feelings and all those conversations and debates go away. You know, it, it's a fractured relationship. And I think it was probably best for both sides to uh, to split up. And, you know, it, maybe he goes to Seattle and he ends up helping them or who knows. But, you know, clearly he's he's helped pick some amazing players that are currently on this team and will be. And it's just a matter of time uh, till we find out who the next guy is. And where Judd obviously uh, ends up, but it, again, it's it's one guy, and yes, it's a big deal. But there's also other guys that are, I'm sure, more than capable of making an educated decision on who we should be drafting. And hopefully, it just doesn't backpedal to what the Canucks were drafting, you know, in the early 2010s, and you know, even before that. Yeah, the one thing that kind of that I concerns me about it and like i said i don't know what goes on behind closed doors i don't know the relationship between player and management management owners but the one thing that's a little concerning i guess from a standpoint outside of things is the fact that with benning being you know the general manager in his time we've seen you know a big name like trevor linden go and now we've seen a big name like judd brackett go as well and both guys obviously it's it wasn't a good um, way of them to leave the organization like things did not end well and I don't know if they both had to do completely with Benning I think there's ownership had something to do with um, with Lyndon at first but I just hope that you know that they really got their shit figured out and they know what they're doing because you know they're saying goodbye to some pretty big names and they've done a lot for this organization so yeah hopefully they know what they're doing yeah I think uh, you bring up an interesting point Brady I think Benning is 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 his two and zero in, in fractured relationships, right? So, um, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna have a fractured relationship with the GM, uh, you're gonna lose. I, I didn't think that was necessarily the case for for a team president, but that's again what happened in the Linden situation. But wouldn't that be crazy if we were to see down the road, you know, some weird combination of of Mike Gillis. Oh, don't go there. Lawrence Lawrence Gilman no. and Judd Brackett no. all working for the Seattle franchise. It's like that happen. would that, that would bother me to some extent. So there's like a couple of things. Uh there's a couple of things going on here. And I, I know that like, you know, say a new GM was to walk into this position, right? A new GM's probably gonna bring his own guys and it's probably not gonna be a guy like like Judd Brackett anyways. And so, you know, there's a very good chance that if one had left, the other would have left anyways. So you know, that's, that's one way of looking at it. Um, but I think in business, and I understand that hockey is different in some ways, and but in, in leadership specifically, your whole intent is obviously to surround yourself with, with good people, right? To surround yourself with people who 
pick up the slack in areas where um, you don't get to spend as much time. You sort of entrust these people to make, you know, good decisions and work alongside you and um, to be given. I'm waiting on beta to, to do their, we're losing somebody that, that does make those good decisions. And Ryan, you're right. There's a whole team of guys there that, that work and scout underneath Judd Brackett, but Judd Brackett was the guy that was, all those guys are scouted and he's taking all that information and he's making the final decision sort of on who, who was going to be selected. So we did know one thing and obviously that guy can be replaced, but we did know one thing when that, that was that judge was making, was making good decisions. Right. So it hurts to lose a guy that we do know was making really good decisions. Um, you know, so that kind of, that kind of concerns me a little bit, but, um, uh, if 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 what he wanted was full autonomy of the scouting department and he's not given that then you can't stop the guy from wanting to improve his position in life and if he's going to get that somewhere else where somebody else believes that he is deserving his full of full autonomy um then you know all the power to him i don't know obviously if benning thought that he was deserving of full autonomy um but i think he's got a great track record so obviously we're losing out on a heck of a guy yeah ted the one thing you kind of mentioned there about um, the picks and the decisions that were made. The one thing that I think uh, you know we forget is he wasn't necessarily a yes man. And when those picks came in, uh, whether it's PD instead of Glass, or uh, I mean they took Besser. Um, you know Quinn Hughes, obviously, and I believe they were looking at Zadina as well. Um, you know to to be able to be the guy to stand up to clearly the guy that ends up. Uh, telling him to leave um you know if it's wise broad obviously he's going to be a gym yes man um unless they get somebody else that that is a little bit a uh, little bit scary it sounds to me kind of like when it comes to jim benning you know he came from a scouting background and you know obviously as a general manager you're not you're not scouting you're like nearly clearly as much, not nearly as much as an, as one of your scouts. And it seems like it's almost seems like he's jealous of the fact that he can't be doing it all. And he wants to be the guy that's he's doing the scouting. He's doing the picking. He wants to do everything. So obviously there was some sort of friction there and things blew up because if uh, things were to worked out, then he'd still be here and he'd have control. Right. But another thing I don't really understand as well is I know that, I don't have the list in front of me, but he had like a certain region of players that he drafted, right? And it, it actually wasn't in the in the early rounds. I believe it was the later, the mid rounds, right? Kind of we picked guys like Goddat and Demko and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't really understand where all the confusion was about the early round picks. Did you? Do you guys know what I'm what I'm talking about? I'm not sure. I'm picking up completely what you're saying. Like, who was drafting the? the uh, well, I, I heard there. I heard there was friction, like between who they were selecting in the early rounds. But I, I thought. Um, he had just kind of more picks in the in the mid rounds. Who, who are you talking about, Benning or Benning, about... Benning and Bracket? Like Bracket was more so involved in the middle round picks. Oh, I mean, I, I, I've Maybe. heard it the other way too, but so I don't know. I don't know which is which, right? We, okay, yeah. If only we were privy to to what picks caused fodder, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, you're, you're right. Maybe, I mean, I'm not saying that he's jealous. I, mean, I don't know that. That's kind of like a, a weird thing to throw around, but it's definitely a possibility. Maybe that's um, not the right but, word. Sorry. But yeah, but I think it's like... sort, of, sort of reminiscent of that former role, right? I, I get yeah. what you're saying there. So, you know, 
to me, if, if, if you're a GM and, and your, your main ability and quality is scouting and it's not signing people to contracts and it's not pro scouting and it's not making trades, then, then fine. You can still be the guy who makes the final call, but you should, you should throw yourself into more of the scouting side of it and then hire people that are going to be, you know, a plus ability at handling those other portions of, of the work that you're doing less of. Right. So, I mean, he had a good guy sitting in the scouting department. So we'll see where that goes from here. I don't know if Benning just gets more involved um, or if he sort of begins to relinquish duties and other managerial um, focuses, but yeah, we'll see where this goes from here. Uh, who knows how many more years he gets, right? I mean, he's already one of the longest serving tenure GMs that's out there right now. So, I mean, uh, who, who knows really where this thing could go and how long it could last. Yeah. I hear you, man. Go ahead there, Ryan. No, I th I thought you had a comment there. Yeah, I totally, totally slipped my mind there. I think Ted pretty much covered it. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, obviously, there's no hockey that's live, but have you guys been watching any of the other games that have been on the other channels lately? What do you mean the uh, just like the throwback the, games? The retro game. Well, not just the Canuck games. Um, when was it? I guess it would have been Monday. I think um, they had Patrick Waugh's last game in Montreal against Detroit, which anybody that knows that game was an absolute slaughtering. They kept in Patrick Waugh for nine goals. There was an extended power play. There was a major that I think they scored like five goals on um, over the course of uh, the two periods, at end of the first and then into the second. And just watching how that game was played, just the, not just what he was letting in, but the style of play and what was being allowed, whether it was penalties or just what wasn't called, I suppose, too, which was mind-blowing, the type of hockey that was played. Um, and then to see how that relationship ultimately ended. And then we all know he goes to Colorado, wins a Conn Smythe, Stanley Cup, no big deal. And, yeah, against, and he ends up playing Detroit, too. He ends up playing Detroit. I believe wasn't it yes. in the conference finals? So he gets he gets his revenge and goes back and gets his third cup, which ultimately I think he ended up getting one more after that. One, if I'm not mistaken, it two was it two more? I think two he had Colorado, four yeah. total. Yeah, yeah, two in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So I looked at that game and I like I kind of was trying to break it down because I was wanting to see. I remember the game. I remember watching it when it was originally on. But I wanted to look at it. Yeah, it drove me crazy. But just to watch it, knowing what was going to happen, knowing who Patrick Wall was, and the kind of you know the mind that that he embodied, and, and his style of play, and his a little bit of his ego, and just seeing how that all broke down, and when he goes and then talks to the owner and says, "I'm never playing another game for this team," I it was really interesting because it looked like the team basically hung him out to dry when only two seasons prior. He won the Stanley Cup for them, and won the Conn Smythe there for the second time. It like yeah, that, that ninety that oh man that ninety three team was bonkers good too. Like Vinny Damfus and, and Kirk Muller. What was the name of the coach again that that decided to leave him in there? Mario Tremblay. Mario Tremblay. Tremblay. Yeah, what like a, it was this ridiculous thing. And and at the time, like what you forget is that uh, then Montreal Canadiens owner and I can't remember his name again. I'm really sorry. Um, but he would ha he would sit right behind the bench. Yeah. So it's like he got ripped for these these however many goal goals it was like stupidest fucking thing ever to do that to your goaltender. 
what is he trying to teach this like you know this 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 one day going to be hall of fame stanley cup winning goaltender like a lesson give me a break right so i know he's got an ego but like come on you don't leave a guy out there to get embarrassed right he comes off the ice just like you said sneaks around to the owner who's sitting at the game and like you said ryan that's my last game as a montreal canadian i'm i'm getting traded and like wasn't that sort of reminiscent of, of what happened here with Luongo and the winter classic game when it was supposed to be Lou in that winter classic game. And you're thinking at the same time, this is the same shit that happened to, to Wa, mm-hmm. and Luongo's going to be pissed. We're not going to come back from this. No. And sure enough, the trade was shortly after that. Right. Like, and look what happened. Uh, it, it blows my mind. Like what kind of psychological warfare are you trying to create with your own team? Like who knows what could have happened if you would just had, had mercy on Wa at that point, pulled him out of the game, knowing that it's going to be a loss, not throwing your all-star goaltender to the wolves. And yeah, he's got an ego. We talked about that, but that's what makes Luongo and 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 Wa and guys like that great, right? They have a level of ego. They have a level of confidence that's like bordering on cocky. And all because of that, a relationship ruined, an all-star goaltender, you know, lost. Mm-hmm. We see that he's obviously still got game because he goes to Colorado, wins two more cups. I mean, and he was a stud like, there too. Yeah, he was. Just, he was an absolute stud. So just you know, asinine stupidity from from mario tremblay uh but man and, and i didn't watch the game but i remember it so vividly and it does remind me of a lot a lot of what happened to to luongo in vancouver yeah i know we're talking about the patrick Waugh incident but you bring up a great point about the whole luongo situation and how similar that that is it's funny that you can talk about that that both of them would arguably be in the top five greatest goaltenders of all time yet they've both been screwed by teams they've given everything to well technically multiple um, organizations if you think about it florida did it to luongo once too yeah and he went back which is and the then he went back part. exactly yeah but uh i still my, my point is like it's it's crazy I, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that luongo doesn't start that game i just in what it's world does, in what world does that happen you like you sign a goalie to a 12-year contract and you don't play him in the first ever outdoor game for Vancouver. Like in a the, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense, and I don't understand how it happened. I don't I don't get it. It was a mean nothing <laughs> game too. That was the worst. Like it it was you're playing against an Eastern Conference team clearly wasn't in a playoff race, and all of a sudden you're gonna put in the backup goaltender who sure was playing fine at the time, but you know you're you're taking your former captain, you're taking your former guy that took you to game seven of the Stanley cup, a guy that you've lived and died with for the last what seven years or so, or six years. And then the one game, again, it means nothing as far as the standings and statistics went, but to be able to play in that, he got his, you know, his awesome kit that he had, his mask, his pads and everything. And he's riding the pine in BC place and everybody's just watching him. It was as embarrassing as watching, yeah. was it Tyler Sagan walk down or was it Corey Perry? I can't remember. In the winter classic. Yeah, it was Corey Perry walk who of like, shame. skated off. Was it what a minute into the yeah. game? He has so it was, it was, it was basically instead of the walk of shame, he was like on the bench of shame for 60 minutes. Yeah, so you see, go ahead, Ted. So at what point are you, well, at what point are you a GM and your GMs are supposed to let coaches coach, right? Like a, a coach doesn't dictate what players are going to play on his team. The GM gets those players for him. Right. And just like a GM, the GM doesn't tell the coach who to put in, who to play. Right. So man, we all know that Tremblay shouldn't have 
have, have done that to Wong. We all know, we all know that 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 Torch. Luongo should have started that game. But at, but at what point does the does the GM step in or the owner step in and say, "Hey, man, this is a franchise-altering decision for you to do something like this. Make the right choice here." Mm-hmm. And by make the right choice, it's like make the call that we all know you should make. Don't be a dickhead. Yeah. Like, at what point does that happen? Because because Montreal GM sitting sitting in the front row seeing this happen has to be thinking I'm about to lose Wah. I'm gonna lose him. Mm-hmm. And 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 Vancouver owners have to be sitting there thinking to themselves like I'm about to watch my the franchise's all time leading wins goaltender leave because and it was of rocky this, too. Of two points of fucking two points. That so was my stupid. contract sucks around that time too. Well, what's ridiculous Pardon is what. Sorry, I was just—I'll add quick, and then you can go, Brady. I was just saying that was around the my contract sucks moment too, right? So yeah, the, I'm the, pretty the bridge, sure the bridge time, was yeah. the bridge was kind of mended, right? That 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 problem kind of fixed itself, and then it fell apart one more time for good. Go ahead, Brady. Yeah. Um. Well, we're talking about the Luongo situation. I just I can't I just can't picture like being Tortorella and being like. Yeah, I gotta I gotta go to Luongo and tell him, hey man, you're you're not starting this game. And then on top of that, like for one, the fact that the GM obviously hears this and 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 then accepts it, but then the fact that like if I'm that GM, I'm I'm storming down to that locker room and I'm I'm firing John Tortorella. I ain't going down there and I'm and I'm trading Roberto Luongo, but I guess at that at that point, uh, they didn't see it that way and the, the damage was already done. Gillis couldn't do that. Gillis was still there. Could... Tort's time in Vancouver was the most the, the most non-committed version of Tortorella that's ever walked in the NHL because he's a good coach. He's won tons of accolades and he's Stand gets up. a lot out of his players. But he was non-committed when he was in Vancouver, and he yeah. really he really messed shit up for sure. You know what? I remember being really nervous about him coaching the Twins, but I also remember being really excited to like have a, you know kind of a, oh, he's a, sound a scrappier kind of coach, right? You know the one thing too. If you look, Brady, you're kind of finding parallels with the Luongo thing. Another parallel, I mean, this conversation could probably go pretty deep, but we'll try to keep it tighter. Another parallel to that torts thing was the whole Mike Keenan thing. Look what, like, we talk about how that was the worst thing that could have happened to the Canucks with the Mike Keenan signing and how they traded away Linden and how they end up getting Bertuzzi and how all those, those moves made. But if it wasn't for Mike Keenan... We don't get Todd Bertuzzi. Without Todd Bertuzzi, we don't get Roberto Luongo. Without Roberto Luongo, they don't go to the cop. Without, you know, and then all of a sudden the cycle happens again. Without Luongo leaving and with the Tortorella benching of Luongo at that game, we don't end up starting to fall down ultimately, like awfully, down the standings to the point where we're now talking about draft lotteries. We don't potentially get Brock Besser. The way the team is sinking in, we don't get Elias Patterson. And again, because we still weren't quite there, we don't get Quinn Hughes. Whatever this current iteration of this team looks like, mm-hmm. and whatever they ultimately achieve, will be because of that lineage of those past two movements. Like it's all, it's the six degrees of separation. But ultimately, you look at this franchise in the last 20 plus years are pretty tightly knit together. Yeah, I hear you. Um, it's just, it's just mind blowing. I just, I, I still can't. I, I, I can't. I just can't do it, man. You signed a goalie for that long, a franchise goalie, uh, bona fide Hall of Famer, and then you know all that shit happens. I so. almost cried, just, but yeah. The, the other game I watched, um, 
was one that has been on a few times, but it was a CBC feed this time, was a Game 7 against Chicago. And I watched that in its entirety. And just with, again, fresh eyes and just watching the game kind of unfold, I the penalty shot I, you saw, because the first time they showed that game during COVID, they missed that part. Um, they showed the Patrick Sharp uh, shot on Luongo, which I think is as Whoa. impressive. I, I still remember jumping out of my seat and going, no! And then he saved yeah. it. And then I thought, okay, we're back in this. Obviously, then Burroughs goes and scores um, off of catching the Campoli puck. And I had this in the notes, and this is going to be uh, it's going to be a hot topic tomorrow. This is what people are going to be talking about once this podcast drops. But I am going back, and I am taking back to anybody that I've told this to, and I am now declaring that the Pavel Bure goal in Game 7, double overtime versus Calgary, is the better, more game-changing or whatever you want to say it, changing goal than the Alex Burrows one. And here's why. Alex Burrows, I mean, thankfully he was the one that scored it because otherwise I don't know what would have happened. But when he catches that puck, the puck's still rolling as this is happening. He barely gets an, a good opportunity and knows that he basically just has to take a slap shot. And there was a mm-hmm. aim there, but, I mean, that probably wasn't his greatest, you know, greatest shot he's ever taken. And he just tees up, hoping that he's going to hit something. And he happens to, it was almost deflected, and it goes top cheddar and out. And even, like, it's just one of those goals that he could probably take that shot ten times. I don't even know if he scores at five. It just it just kind of yeah. happened out of nowhere. Whereas the Bure goal, the way that pass happens, the way he breaks out, goes in one-on-one, and then throws in the move right at the end on Mike Vernon, who was having a phenomenal series. And Bury absolutely buries them. And that was in Calgary. That's a way bigger goal to me. Discuss. Uh, yeah, <laughs> when you put it that way, I think like, as for the goal itself, it was bigger. But um, I think the argument for argument's sake, it's just how big the goal was for the franchise at the time. Not not the actual, um, you know, the style of the goal. But I would I definitely agree with you there. Like, I, I would agree that, yeah, the Bur- the Burray goal is definitely the way nicer, way sexier goal for sure. Ted, please. Go. I would, I would say, yeah, because this goes a couple different ways, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the Burray goal was big. It was was monumental for like a couple of reasons. Like that team wasn't supposed to win that series. Nope. That team wasn't supposed to go to a Stanley Cup final. They were underdogs in a lot of those series, right? So, mm-hmm. so uh, if Burray doesn't score that goal, the expectations stay the same. Exactly. You know, Vancouver. The narrative doesn't change. Vancouver was supposed to lose that game, and they lost to a better team. You know, so it was big. It was big in that, like, as a boxer, you can land one punch and knock out the champ, right? So that's that's what it was in that moment. So how big is that? It's hard to quantify that, but the the you know the Burroughs goal had a bunch of different ramifications to that. If he doesn't score that goal, this Vancouver team was supposed to win the whole thing. We knew that for the hump with the Hawks with this franchise, and they're making them look bad, like. They blew it again. Everything was in their favors. I mean, we talked about it the last week, all the way to the schedule makers playing those games to get up to that point. Like, this season was set for them to succeed. And if they don't get by the Hawks, then 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 nothing nothing changes for this franchise, right? So to me, that might have been the bigger goal, even though to 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 me the the ninety four series was was more a part of me. Right, because I was it was such a big thing when I was younger, but I, I might flip it on you and say that the Burroughs goal was the more important, bigger goal 
for the Canuck franchise. What happens if he doesn't score that? Let's and we'll we'll maybe debate this for a little bit. Let's say yes. Chicago does win that series somehow. Let's say Sharp scores instead, or yeah. Kane mm-hmm. or whoever. So now that's three years in a row that we lose to mm-hmm. Chicago. And like you said, Ted, that was a team that that year was expected to win it. They almost went wire to wire as the best team in the league. So then they mm-hmm. lose to Chicago. Then what happens, Ted? You kind of – oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, they lose to Chicago, and that's it. The weight of the world drops on that franchise. Like, bunch of suckers in Vancouver, nothing changes. Continued no respect for Vancouver. And we ended up getting a different level of respect from the rest of the league and that we were we were hated because that team was so good, and we've never had that before as Canucks fans, right? So that was a whole nother thing. So that never happens. The – um, you know, the, the Sedins, who, who knows what happens to them after that point? Are they still Canucks from then on? I mean, there's tons of ramifications. The Luongo thing, how much longer is Luongo a Canuck? There's there's many, many, many things that happened past the Canucks just losing that game to, to Chicago and then going at it another time with that same team. The whole team would have been blown up, would have been completely different. Yeah. Whereas the Canuck team that, that won that game seven in Calgary in 94, they would have been like, this team is up and coming. We're keeping them together. We're going to, yeah. we, we can tell there's a ton of potential there. Yeah. So they're two different, two very different things. That would be the difference in my opinion. Yeah. I think, I think Ted nailed it pretty much perfectly there. Um, the, the Canucks team, I think like three years in a row, uh, would have been blown up. But on top of that, though, you think to yourself, half that team had no trade clauses. So, you know, that's kind of a funny situation. But, yeah, for sure, I mean, we lose that series. I, I don't think you have a choice but to blow that team up. Yeah, I totally agree. But what, what about uh, our dudes and guys this week? Why don't we jump into that? Here we go. So here comes here comes my ad because I'm getting good at this. And we'll have an official ad for this pretty quick this week's dudes and guys brought to you by players choice sports cards and collectibles they are uh, upper deck diamond dealer in canada they also are one of a select group of official online retailers for upper deck um, everything you need to find for hockey cards for sports cards sports memorabilia uh, carry price goalie pads maybe you're in the market for some of those maybe you need a signed michael jordan print who knows they got everything. They got frozen stuff. If you got little girls, they got Pokemon. Maybe you're into stuff like that or baseball cards. Maybe you need a, a Joe Carter or a Mike Trout signed uh, rookie card. They got all that stuff. Players Choice Sports Cards and Collectibles. They're in Kelowna. Check out our um, episode re or episode information when this drops, and we'll have a link in there. And uh, before we get to dudes and guys, I just want to quickly say thank you to uh, Jason and Katie for putting us in their box break yesterday. Uh, for SP Authentic, um, PP1 Podcast got a spot. We got the Washington Capitals. It did not go well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we got a couple of decent cards, so we'll see what those look like, and maybe we'll give one away if it's worth it. Um, I also picked up a spot with a buddy of mine, Matt, and we got the Buffalo Sabres. Again, did not go well. Uh, Ted, you and I have a spot. Actually, they're doing a fourth case on Monday. So we'll have to stay tuned for that, and hopefully uh, we lock in. There's a really sweet Quinn Hughes card that came out of the breaks last night, and a Young Guns Acetate card, and I can only imagine it was a very expensive card if it were to hit the market. But uh, anyway, thanks to Player's Choice uh, for partnering with us, uh, and without further ado, our dudes and guys of the week. Brady, take it away. 
Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? Yeah, so this week, uh, for dudes and guys, like we did last week, we're just going to kind of pick two uh, Canucks players, the past or present, and uh, we're going to just kind of debate between them, uh, kind of about their pri- in their primes or what, kind of whatever, their, their best playing days for the Canucks, and who would be the dude and who would be the guy? Who would you take and put on your team? Uh, this week, uh, you know, we decided to go with, um, I guess last week, I thought it was a little bit more of a, a tighter argument, but uh, it was... Ryan Kessler threefold over uh, over uh, JT Miller. So, but this week we got something a little more a uh, little more tight for the argument here. Uh, Daniel Sedin and Marcus Nasland. Ooh. I don't know which one of you wants to take this first. Uh, Ted, you want you want to take this one? Uh, this is a tough one. This was I, I was a little shocked. Yeah, I can't believe how close this one is. It's uh. It's it really it really is crazy how 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 linked these two are, um, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Dan. I, I I don't know how you can pass it up. It could have very easily been Daniel Sedin named captain of the Vancouver Canucks if not for Henrik. I think you could have flipped a coin with those two. One is obviously a little bit more outspoken than the other, um, but one is a thousand point guy. Um, they both carry a couple of distinctions like you know MVP honors. Uh, you know, both elite level goal scorers. I, I will say that Daniel is an elite level playmaker in addition to being an elite level goal scorer. Um, but what he and Hank did was change the game in terms of, you know, the cycle and how shifts are driven and you didn't have to be an absolute burner in a fast man's game for them to put up, you know, ridiculous amounts of points. Um, you know, this isn't to take anything away from like the absolute lethal lethal wrist shot of Marcus Naslin and everything that he did for that game. Uh, and I know that he's a captain too, right? But that leadership group was really split in Vancouver in those later years for Dan and Hank. And both those guys looked at both, like, I mean, all these players looked at both those guys, like they were captains essentially. Um, but I will give playoff success to Daniel as, as the the main factor on why that's the guy that I'm going to take on my team over Marcus Naslin, uh, because it was there. He was just more of a proven player, almost a point per game in the playoffs. Um, whereas, you know, Naslin and company were just never over able to get over that hump in the playoffs. And, and I know there's the crutch comment about, you know, Daniel had Hank. Well, Naslin had Bertuzzi. So it wasn't like there wasn't one Batman to a Robin. So all things being equal, uh, you know, maybe maybe Naslin's the more physically gifted player, but the more dominant Canuck for me is 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 Daniel Sedin. Wow. I like the response. You really you really uh you really dove into that one and uh I'm gonna say you know your stuff. Ted, that was Ryan? great. That was that was like poetic. I Thanks, almost, man. I almost want to agree with you. I think you almost have to be like mom spaghetti, right? You have to throw your shit on the table so nobody can burn you. All right. Well, if you want to agree, Ryan, I'll, uh, I'll interject here. No, I don't want to agree. Uh, I can disagree for you if you like, or you well, want to take away, if, take it if, away. If you're ready to go, I'll let you go. I mean, I'm, I don't have a, a, as good of a spiel as that. Um, but, uh, I got to go with Nasland. I know you made the, the whole Daniel Sedin, Henrik Sedin 
uh, thing there he had Bertuzzi, but I will kind of take that. Daniel Sedin was not the same player without Henrik Sedin. Um, and I think I think uh, Naslin proved he was a great player without Todd Bertuzzi as well. Um, and you look at their you, you look at their points. Uh, I believe Naslin played about 200 less games, and he had two more goals, um, but his points per game was just a fraction fraction less. So just kind of looking at Naslin's game as an individual, I, I go with him for the fact that he had 12 20 goal seasons and three 40 goal seasons. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't a winner. Like, uh, but neither was Daniel Sedin. So, um, yeah, I go with Marcus Naslin as my choice. Wow. Well, Brady, as far as the person, I do agree. Um, I'm taking Naslin on this one as well. Um, this is a this is a tough one because you really could make. And obviously, Ted, you've made your case of why um, totally valid reasons, and no one's going to disagree. Um, I'm going to make my case for Naslin as, uh, my dude. Um, and it really sucks that we have to call Daniel a guy in this case. Cause I mean, <laughs> there, there has to be a loser in this one. And it really sucks that I'm saying that Daniel is not winning this one. Um, Naslin for me, as Brady kind of mentioned, Naslin, first of all, he was the captain. So, uh, he was clearly voted uh, by the team, his peers, his coaches, as uh, the the clear leader of the locker room. Whereas Daniel Sedin, he was a twin, and he just he wasn't he wasn't as good of a leader as Henrik was, even though it probably could have gone either way. I'm sure. Um, but uh, no, Naslin, as far as what he accomplished statistically um, and consecutively as well. Those 40-goal seasons, he had three 40-goal seasons in a row, 41, 40, and 48, um, when they had their, their massive – even the when they, when they went and lost against uh, Calgary in Game 7, he still had 35 goals that year, and that was without Todd Bertuzzi. A year, I also think, had Bertuzzi been there, that, that team might have even had another shot to go um, – but he didn't even tail off. Like, Nazan still had another 32 goals, and this is when we really started to rag on him. This was around the lockout years, um, 24 and 25, as he kind of fizzled out in Vancouver. But, again, he didn't need to necessarily have um, Bertuzzi or, uh, I mean, you need a centerman, but he didn't need to have that. It clearly helped that he did, but <laughs> it's yet to be seen. Danny Sedin, Hall of Fame, Marcus Nassim, I don't know. Uh, that was <laughs> nice well, well played, well played. <laughs> but it, when it came down to it, I, I look at kind of the other variables that uh, made Nassim my pick. When he was in the slot, I he got to the point where I started calling him, and I'm sure everybody else did, like the Swedish Joe Sackick. When he got to that face-off circle, the puck either went in the net or it missed. There wasn't a meet, There wasn't a middle there. It was that was a guaranteed goal if Nazan got that shot off and you knew everybody knew like it was a bar down. He ended up getting that Nike commercial with uh, Kovalchuk. That's a nice dangle, man. I love that commercial. And he, the way he was able to skate. Um, and the thing I did like about it, Ted, you bring up about how uh, they choked that, that comment to me was that, that harsh reality moment that, I mean, even a, he's a captain and he's come out and he he was on crutches when he made that comment too, did he not? And when he comes out and makes that comment, I just thought, wow, this is as real of a captain as we're ever going to get. Because how many how many players, how many captains are going to come out 
and just brutally tell you um, what that reality is. I don't even think Jonathan Taves would be say something like that. I mean, maybe probably shouldn't, but the fact that he did, I think it made uh, Naslin a little bit more likable in the sense that he became kind of one of us. And he kind of said, you know what? I'm putting this on me. We're going to come back and we're going to make this happen. And I think that was 02. Um, was it 01 or 02? I think it was 01. And rightfully so. He came back and he gave us he gave us some pretty amazing seasons. No, they didn't get over the, the cusp. But at the same time, they were as good of a first-round team as uh, the Henrik and Daniel teams were. Um, they were easily in a lot of those second round series and you know the Sedins only made it past the second round once too and they went to a cup so aside from a little bit of that fluke against Minnesota who I'm sure we're going to talk about um, you know there's a chance we could be talking about Marcus Nazan in that same breath maybe we're talking about a Stanley Cup champion Marcus Nazan so Nazzy you're my pick for due to the week bud I like it take that Ted I'm- <clears> hey, <throat> okay, yeah, lots of lots of good arguments there. <laughs> pretty pretty tough to pick a a bad guy there. I mean, yeah, the so two of the best wingers the ever to play. Yet. They're not even in yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naslin's not in yet either. There you go. So don't be giving me that. <laughs> that is one thing I always really wanted, though, to tell you the truth, was that number ninety-one Naslin Rangers jersey. That was a nice jersey. Remember, it was at Jersey City for like a year. What was it? Yeah, <laughs> nobody uh, bought it. There's a reason. <laughs> it uh, was pretty nice. Those Rangers jerseys are slick. Unless it was maybe like uh, bring back Statue of Liberty, then we're talking. Good. Well, I got some good ideas for dudes and guys next week, so we'll see how this one goes. All right. All right. I love it, Ted. We'll see what you bring. So, why don't we talk about uh, the Minnesota series a little bit? I thought maybe we could dive into. Uh, I don't know, break, break down the matchup a little bit. Okay, I'm in for that. Apparently, we're going to be playing hockey in a couple months, so we might as well get our, our head start on it. Well, I heard some good news today that uh, Phase 2 of the NHL's return to action will officially begin on Monday. And I believe it's – I don't know exactly what it is, but I think it's they're opening up training facilities in uh, the team's home cities and stuff like that. So teams are allowed to train and skate and all that stuff. Now, is that like groups of six? Is that what they were talking about? Yeah, I'm not sure. That's all I really know beyond that. Ted, do you know anything about phase two? I don't know anything about phase two. So what happens is they get the big mushroom, and then they go down the pipe, and then they go underground, and then uh, you ride. I'm just kidding. No no warp whistles, no uh, warp zones. Down the rabbit hole. Exactly. Um, The neat thing, though, that uh, they did confirm was that best of five for the play-in round. Um, again, against Minnesota, who uh, we have a, an amazing rivalry with all of one playoff series, I believe. And uh, then from there, it goes into best of seven of the normal playoffs. But they're not doing a bracket like they normally would have every other year. It goes into seeding, and I believe it's by the conference, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so then it's they keep reseeding every round, which I think is kind of cool. So how is that different than a bracket? Like they're just seeding back so that so that what we're not having East versus West team sort of deal or no, they they still have East versus West, but let's say it's one versus eight and you've got two versus seven and three versus six, four versus five. Yeah. So once yeah. that happens and the winners of those 
they would have like let's say there's the top four teams or whatever one versus eight and then what is it two versus seven wouldn't the bracket automatically make it that way anyway though uh not necessarily because if you have an upset if there was an upset of something then you know the okay yeah the best team could be out playing against um the new best team or or two bad teams or whatever whereas they keep reseeding it um at least for the first round i don't know if it continues but they continue to have basically the best team versus the worst team i believe i always liked it that way they they only changed that what in 2014 or something i don't like the new way they do it i think it's been that way for a while haven't no i think they changed to the division in the mid the mid 2010s but no they They changed the divisions up yeah it used to be i know when edmonton went to the finals they were eighth seed team and even in 2011, uh, the Kings had, were the eighth-seeded team. They did it that way as well. But they upset. So it had to be after 2012, 2011. They still upset a team, and there was still a bracket. It's just they came up an easier way, whereas these are reseeded. So you're still going to see the best team that wins continues to be that number one seed or number two seed or whatever until the cup. Mm-hmm. So they, I think they're basically catering it to that the best team should be the Has best team. The to best be chances. Yeah. yeah. So I like it. Yeah, Ted, what do you think? Uh, like, like, think about the seating, you mean, or think about the matchup, or like, what part? Let's let's, let's, let's talk, talk about, about the matchup. There you go. Talk about the matchup. Let's talk about it. Well, I like the fact that they're two completely different kind of teams. Like, you got defense versus offense in a sense. Go for it, Ted. Oh, um, yeah, you're right. Defense versus offense, Brady. Um, I think that Vancouver holds the majority of the cards from the offensive side of the the puck for sure. I think that it 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 probably brings more balanced scoring through probably parts of three lines where uh, Minnesota is going to throw you the other way. I think pretty similar goaltenders in Devin Dubnik and, and and Jacob Markstrom, so I'd probably give the edge to to Markstrom and Net. Um, but in the defensive side of the puck, this team, the Vancouver Canucks, is vastly like vastly overmatched like the the pairing of of Suter and Spurgeon is going to be I mean that's that's as good as pairing as any in the NHL right now and then for for a second pairing you're throwing um Brodine and 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 Matt Dumba at them um and the you know the third pairing is not as good with 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 Brad Hunt and I can't remember who the other guy is that's there um but at this point it doesn't really matter when you have you know four defensemen on your squad that can play like 24 minutes or more uh, and play tough, heavy minutes in a grinding series. And there's some, you know, Dumba's a pretty physical defender. And, uh, you know, Hunt will play you tough. And those guys can help you out on the power play. I mean, Ryan mm-hmm. Ryan is getting older, but the guy, it's it's not uncommon to watch the guy just go log 30 minutes in a really important game, right? And he's still an absolute beast, right? So I worry about stuff like that. I also worry about... Um, you know that third line is big and 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 tough to play against with with Erickson Eck and I don't want to see a guy like Marcus Foligno match up against um, uh, match up against PD and and whoever else is playing in that lineup right um, and then the one thing that I I do worry about is you know Eric Stahl knows how to play in the playoffs so he's got a ton of experience more than any other player in this series um, and Jordan Greenway scares the crap out of me like in the Bufflin, the, the Bufflin sense of things, right? Like, I feel like he could just be an absolute train wreck making things hard for a guy like Markstrom and, you know, a somewhat 
I, I want to say small defense, but actually what I mean to say is a really porous defense mm-hmm. to be physical with those guys. And if anybody from that top six gets hurt, I don't know what they're going to do. Cause I don't know who comes mm-hmm. in. Are we talking about bringing in, uh, I mean, what, what, who are we talking about bringing in? If there's a Jalen Shatfeld that comes in and starts logging minutes, is it Rafferty that we're going to be bringing into a playoff scenario? I mean, these, these guys are untested vastly at the NHL level, let alone the playoff level. Um, so I just don't think that even though Vancouver is slotted and rated at the better team here and probably wins the matchup on paper, this isn't going to be a walk in the park at all. Yeah. If, if ever there was a team that you were going to match up with that you didn't mm-hmm. want to match up with, this is that team. So we're going to be in tough to get out of this first round for sure. I don't discredit Minnesota one bit. No, it's definitely, you look at these teams in the standings and they're, they're, they're two completely different playing styles, but they're, they're very similar kind of bubble teams just trying to prove themselves right now. And for the Canucks, I mean, in the playoffs, especially defense wins championships. And especially when you're talking about teams that, you know, have been away from hockey for three months or I don't care if you're coming in and practicing with your team, you're not getting any in-game experience really. Like you're going to get a, you're going to get this five game plan series, but like puck drops in game one, it's go time. So, I mean, you kind of got to give the advantage there, I think to Minnesota. Um, And on top of that, like the Canucks have struggled five on five offensively this year. Like they were, they were really bad, to be honest. Um, I don't have numbers in front of me exactly, but I know that they got a lot of offense through the power play. And uh, so another thing with the with the power play is you don't really get too many of those in the playoffs. Um, the refs like to put their whistles away. So, I mean, I think you got to give a little bit of advantage to Minnesota. Um, but if things go right for the Canucks, it's going to have to be, you know, an all-out offense. And I think... You get, uh, they might start off a little slow, but if they can turn it around, and they might be able to squeeze it out in five. But if it's going to end early, I, I got to give the series to Minnesota. I think that's a good call, Brady. I kind of like in this series to probably a not as attractive version of the Canucks Nashville series back in 2011. Same kind of feeling. Clearly, their defense. Uh, I mean, the Canucks had a great defense that year, but Nashville did too when they had. Uh, you know, they had. Weber and they had uh, I guess Suter was on that team back in the day too um, there's a few other guys obviously I'm going to leave out but I'd rather talk about the Minnesota series I think you, you're you right you look at Minnesota's defense and easily that's the better defense and I think they can they can run you around they're not going to play an exciting style of hockey and we've seen that from the couple games that we did play against them this season um, offensively up front, you know, they still have some great players like, uh, Miku Koivu and Zach Parise. Those guys can definitely ha- hang in the playoffs. They've mm-hmm. got some bangers like Ted, like you were saying with Greenway. Um, and probably some guys that want to prove themselves like Galen, uh, Galchenyuk and, uh, I mean, Marcus, uh, Polino's there. Well, they got that, they have those older vets, you know, those yep. kind of older vets that are going to quietly kind of come up and get some points on us right yeah and then i mean you you're right you look at the goaltending i think it's it's tough to say because even though they're going to get this mini little training camp going and then everything kind of happens there really isn't going to be a massive edge either way i mean the talent if you're right if we look at paper there's probably an edge there to minnesota but in in a five game playoff between two teams and this is just you know we're talking canucks in minnesota but these two teams, they've been off for so long. And, you know, if you break, for all we know, like Brock Besser goes, and I, I think we probably talked about this a couple weeks ago, 
but Brock Besser goes and has maybe the series of his life and becomes, you know, the goal scorer that he's been practicing to be and just goes off for, you know, four goals in the series. You know, for all we know, Quinn Hughes, you know, proves that uh, he should be the Calder winner, even though it sounds like he's probably not going to win based on all the, the polls that have come out, um, hockey writers and all that. But this this series could go easily either way, um, just because it's something that everybody kind of gets like a shotgun start. And, you know, there, there could easily be uh, a hiccup somewhere along the line that really uh, buries one of those teams. And whether it's goaltending or defense, um, I think the Canucks are young enough and naive enough that they could pull it off and actually do some damage. I also think that they're not, um, you know, um, they're not uh, chiseled enough to, to get further uh, than, you know, maybe even if they win that series past the first round. So it is a bit of a crapshoot, but I think that's kind of the cool thing about this whole play in. And obviously everything that's happened up until now has been completely unpredictable so whatever happens in the future i think it's going to be exciting because we're getting kind of playoff hockey and it's going to be in august for some reason so uh you know let's embrace it for the fact that they're going to try to make this happen i'm i'm all for it and it, if it means it's a uh, meaningful canucks hockey this late in the year uh, i'm a big fan yeah i mean it's definitely lots to overcome still um but it's good to see that you know, they're planning to have hockey back. Um, but looking at the defense, I, w- I kind of wanted to talk quickly about, uh, you know, I think that the Wild are uh, better on defense than the Canucks, but, like, you got to give credit to, I think, when you look at them as a whole, I think Hughes would stand out as the best defenseman, but and then Sutter, or Suter, I believe, would have more experience there. But then Adler and Tanev, like, they can hold their own too. Like, they are playoff-proven players. And, but, so I think... Uh, the difference maker here is really going to de- depend a lot on the play of Tyler Myers. And if he can, if he can prove and stick with the top four, then the Canucks, you know, they might be able to kind of match and stick with the wild, but it's a lot's going to ride on his play, I think. And if, if he can live up to that $6 million contract. Oh, Ted, Ted's talking. You're on mute, bud. Sorry. Unfortunately, Brady, I, I, this kills me. I think you're right that apparently a lot is going to depend on Tyler Myers, and that scares the shit out of me, for being completely honest. Because like I, he hasn't been a guy that we can depend on all season to step up and be a top two defender. Yeah, maybe he's built for the playoffs. I don't know. But if if you're a betting man, and this whole thing comes down to Tyler Myers, are we winning or are we losing that series? Well, we're probably losing the series, but I'm just trying to get to the point where I'm saying. It's really going to depend. Like, we know with Tyler Myers, we either get one version of him or we get the other. So if he can come out on top and play five solid games, you know, that could be, that could actually be something that, you know, pushes the needle a little bit to our, to our favor. Because I think, I think, I think, I think we're more solid offensively. Like, I think we just have the firepower. They can't match the depth. And Markstrom's a better goaltender. So if we can figure it out on defense, I think we got this one in the bag. I want Tyler Myers to be the good Tyler Myers. That'd be great. Like, We've we've seen this guy play play playoff hockey, play big important minutes for for good hockey teams in the past. Like, look at those runs in Kelowna. Like he was absolutely pivotal. I want that Tyler Myers for sure. We're all pulling for that to happen. I've, it's possible, as uh, JP says in Angels in the Outfield. Hey, anything can happen. <laughs> Great, one it. of the greatest sports movies. It, uh, yeah, absolutely. With Al, 
he's good. I love that one. Yeah, I love when he tells the kid to run home, and he just he literally runs all the way to his house. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good movie. Angels in the Outfield, great movie. Uh, not as good as the Sandlot, though. Sorry, boys. Sandlot's good. Yeah. Did you guys hear though that the about we we're talking about the rosters earlier? We we're talking about uh, I think we talked about a little bit last week about how the Canucks will be calling up a couple AHLers. I believe they set a number on uh, floating black aces. And yeah, with, Josh, with Josh Levo and Michael Furland supposed to be ready, that leaves us five spots, five players from the AHL to call up. I don't know if you guys would maybe want to go over this quickly again one more time now that we have just five guys to choose from. Cool. Is, it 20, is it 28 or 29-man roster? I think it's 28. I thought it was maybe even 26, 28, something like that. There's okay, no more so than 28. I know that. I'll, I'll make a quick thing while Ted's thinking of his guys. Uh, I really don't care. Because if yeah. we're having to dip into the Black Aces, the ser- first of all, that first series is going to be over because nobody's going to save them. But if if they did, I think the obvious ones are everybody that was kind of making it happen towards the end of the year. You know, your Colins, your Rafferty's, um, probably you'll Levy you'd like to have up. I don't think any of those guys get playing time unless somehow they made a deep run. Um, yeah. But uh, as as you know, Ted was saying, like we've got a lot of problems anyway. So if we've got more problems. I'm worried anyway. So, Ted, what were your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny too. Like, with all the defense we called up this year, none, none of them actually even got to play. Yeah. Like, so the, even the way, and then and the guys you'd, you'd actually want to see play didn't even get called up. So, it's kind of a funny situation on the back end for sure. Uh, but for forwards, I, I think I was reading something online, maybe it was TSN or something like that. But on their list for the Canucks, like, they didn't even have Sven Berchia on the list. And I don't know if that's just because they think that. The organization, like he just won't call, go up and play with them. I don't know if the relationship there has, uh, you know, completely blown up or not. But I was shocked to not see Berchi on that list. I can't, sorry, I can't recall where I saw it, but uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, there. it's already. I think that's a fractured relationship thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's already said. I mean, he's he's commented like, "I'll be back in the NHL next year." Like, mark my words. I don't think yeah. it'll be with Vancouver though. Right. Um, I think is what he said. So. Yeah, man. Like, what are we talking about? So we're talking about three, three, possibly four spots for Black Aces. Uh, Five. Yeah. So, so, so three spots if we're gonna take. You talk about five more guys past Furland. Past, and, and past Furland and Levo. Yeah. So. So, um, I think you're gonna probably want to mix like a couple of vets. I think we can obviously, obviously remove Goldobin from that list, mm-hmm. and we can remove Berchi from that list. Unfortunately. Um, uh, Chatfield's been a call up for a bunch of you know games already this season, but I don't think you can ignore Brogan Rafferty at this point. I think that if you're going to call a guy up, right-handed shot helps you power play. We don't know what he can do, but so it might be good for him to get experience and practice with uh, this this caliber of guys if they think that he's going to be a part of this future. Mm-hmm. Um, that you need him in those those having getting that experience and those reps with the team so he can have a chance to make this team next year. So I think Rafferty's on that list. For my money, I would put Justin Bailey on that list mm-hmm. uh, because he was a, a, a monster for Utica down the stretch, back-to-back hat tricks. He's a big guy. Like this roster needs that. He can skate like the wind. This roster always needs speed. And a dude that size with that physical ability can fit in on you know anywhere from. A, you know, a top line and a pitch and you know that a guy like that can play on the bottom lines for sure. 
And and that's an upgrade over, you know, a guy like Victor Oreskovich back in the day who can run and hit, right? So, so he, he's like my squad, yeah. And then probably another defense, like another defenseman, right? Like just because there's a little bit of a surplus of forwards. So, uh, I mean, uh, Brisbois just won, you know, the Eric Weinrich Award for, for Utica, top defenseman of the year for that squad. So he'd probably be my pick. And he's the other guy that's been sort of, um, taxied back and forth between Utica and Vancouver this year. So you levy falls short on this one for me. And so does, uh, so does, um, uh, Boucher, unfortunately for a guy that can light the lamp. Well, Boucher's going, uh, they're letting him go, I believe. Oh, can they not call him up though? They've already terminated his contract. They, they could, but what would be the point? I guess is probably what they're looking at. Maybe, maybe not, they not do. Not versatile enough either. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they do. Yeah. He's just kind of a lifer NHLer. Um, I just, I'd like to see Olevia, but I guess, I mean, there's a point where you guess you just don't feel like he's ready, and it's not a smart idea to be throwing him into a playoff atmosphere game. I, I think, Fuente. but with the Black Aces, um, j- just one second, I'll let you continue, I think it, Brady. It, with go the, ahead. With the Black Aces, they're really just calling them up to practice <laughs> and to potentially be ready. Most likely, even if Ulevi comes up, he's obviously not the first guy that would go in. So I think they're yeah. just getting that dressing room, that locker kind of feeling, and just the the practice reps, um, just so they can soak it in. And but uh, you're right, he wouldn't. Be yeah, that's that's pretty much where I was taking taking it. Is that that's the fact is why why I would want to call Ulevi up. That's why right. I make the argument to yeah. to call him up just to kind of have him around the atmosphere of those games. You know, it's and you know you say atmosphere, but it's it's funny because like. You know, I'm writing an article and I'm thinking, oh, you know, <laughs> hockey's going to be back and all the fans are going to be waving their towels. And I'm thinking, oh, wait, no, there's going to be no towel waving. We're going to be waving towels from our freaking couches from home. So playoff atmosphere, I don't know. It's completely different. So it is it is what it is. So anything you can get uh, NHL experience, I guess, is good. I see what you – what you. I was on that fence too. I was like, okay, it's got to be Rafferty it's, or it's got to be Ulevi, right? And my yeah. my only reason that I, I lent towards the, the pick of Rafferty over Ulevi is that I think he does help your squad if he, he's pressed into game action versus Ulevi, who I feel like at this point could still be somewhat of a liability, mm-hmm. even though we still feel like he's going to develop into an NHLer. So out of the two, one is just more game ready than the other. And and you're right, it could go either way with that one. And I think the guy we're leaving off this list is, is Mikey DBS who could yeah. very well make the squad too no yeah exactly right with the whole Yulevi thing there as well uh it's just experience and if you can't have Yulevi, if we're not going to call Yulevi up for a regular season game you're not gonna you're not gonna play him in a playoff yeah. game but yeah. you know either way it's it's nice to have him uh around i think so i agree <laughs> nice I, I concur. <laughs> yeah yes, oh, what about yeah, cole in though did you ask, yeah, I was going to ask. I was going to ask, Ryan, did you not think that maybe... Because I had Lind on my guys who was like a maybe to make this squad. I mentioned Cole Lind, I think, before. Oh, maybe, yeah, know, maybe I we did. Know, but... We know that uh, Ryan loves Cole Lind. That's definitely I mean, his why number aren't you one guys, pick. Why aren't you guys picking Cole Lind? We knew you'd I pick think, him. I think Cole Lind would be, would be a fine black ace. I, I, I'm I, on board with that. I probably wouldn't pick Cole Lind, actually. You can get off the podcast right now. He'd, he'd be my third. <laughs> he would be my third selection, I think. I, my my number one option would be Sven Berchi. You're my third then, pick in this podcast right and now. And then, yeah. So, well, we'll just leave it at that. At the end of the day, I'm not too concerned about who we're calling up for the Black Aces. We Canucks have enough players and depth to get through it. Like if uh, at the end of the day, we know Travis Green's going to play Louis Erickson over those guys anyway. So. Yeah, but Louis Erickson's obviously going to be the reason as well as Tyler Myers that the Canucks go all the way and they crown yeah. the Canucks. Telling you. I, 
Erickson's gonna just... win this win the cup this year. He's gonna do it. Yeah. Can we not just hope that somehow you know the the ghost of Dallas Louis Erickson shows up and wins the con smite this year? Wouldn't oh. that be like unbelievable? I, I don't that think would I be, could I'd imagine you, that. I would get a Louis Erickson jersey. I would eat my hat for sure. I will not eat my hat. They cost too much money, and it would be I'd... not good. Do you know that that guy? You remember when Philly won the Super Bowl, and that guy literally eat a hand, ate a handful of uh, horse shit. Yeah, yeah. You guys see that? that. What a that's, dummy. that's messed up. Like, it is. You can you can be you can show that you're a big fan by not eating horse shit too. You yeah. know. <laughs> your dedication. We're not gonna we're not gonna debate good, your dedication. Good level. for you. Like, hey man, you don't need to do that. You don't yeah. need to do that. Yeah. Hey, I want to give props to Ryan in this moment as like the one guy who doesn't really swear on this podcast. So good for you, buddy. You know what? I'm trying to keep our, our clean rating because every time I have to hit explicit, then my parents can't listen to it. Yeah, well, you brought up the... Great bleeping job. You, you brought up the ridiculousness of how goaltenders, star goaltenders were handed, handled and that got me dropping F-bombs, so apologies. You know what? It's That's, that's a heady topic and... Uh, Especially for those two goaltenders, uh, as you said, you know, both with a little bit of ego and a massive story that goes with both of them. So that's okay. You know what? I'm not. I'm not controlling you. This is a. We got open lines of communication here. So, um, I guess with the uh, with all that, we're gonna do what Brady's asking us to do and do the circle with the finger, um, which means wrapping up in podcast terms. <laughs> no, not that one. Get out of here. You get your. You're the run the jewels symbol, Ted. Yeah, was that's that the what one. that means? So, um, hey, great new track by Run the Jewels right now. You guys I, gotta check that out. I do have to listen to that. I'm very excited. They have a new album coming out. So I gotta update my uh, my uh, podcast and or not podcast my my Apple Music. Um, speaking of, um, I got my my hair buzzed as you guys can see. Um, this past week at Man Made Barbershop, shout out! To yeah, didn't Harley. didn't they reopen the? Uh, they did the barbershops. I, I you was got a, there. You got a buzz cut. So nice. I'm, I'm in there, <laughs> and honestly, it was like walking into two, like the year 2000. I'm in there, and they they've got Spotify on, and it was like punk, pop, and rock or something. But it was all like 2000, 2001. You've got. Were like, you gonna bleach your hair blonde like Eminem too? Oh, it was so good. They had like. Uh, the offspring like conspiracy of one album they had so oh, blink, yeah. blink 182 like rock show and what else do they have uh with a bullet who sang that one i can't remember um but they had uh not my chemical romance but they had uh, like newfound glory and like all those kind of punk and pop and rock bands and i'm just sitting there i said you guys i might just hang out till uh this place closes down because i don't i want to keep listening to music it was so awesome so anyway shout out to them um I guess that kind of does it for episode 39, the Dan Cluche episode. We talked a lot about goaltenders, so it's kind of fitting. Um, any final words? Brady, what do you got to say? Uh, not much, man. Glad uh, glad we were able to make it work tonight. Um, hopefully, we'll have something big planned for the Elias Patterson episode next week. We'll um, nothing in, nothing down the pipe yet, but uh, we got a whole week to figure that out. So, yeah, just happy to be podcasting with you guys again. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to next week. Ted? What are your final thoughts on on this here podcast? Nothing to add, man. I, I, I nothing on the podcast, but I will say that I am like I'm really stoked to see some hockey come back. No fans or not, so we'll see what not having crowd momentum does for these squads. It'll be real matchup based, I think. This thing's gonna get really technical with these squads, so uh, I'm I'm stoked to see some important games take place again. So let's go! Yay!
Yay for hockey coming back in August. Hooray. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, so I guess uh, on behalf of Brady and Ted, um, you can find them on Twitter and Instagram at all the usual tags, which we do have in our episode rundown. I am Ryan Hank. I have a shaved head like my co-conspirators over here. You've been listening to the PP1 podcast, the number 45 best Canucks podcast in the land. Peace out. Peace. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.